You are listening to EE Times On Air, and this is the weekly briefing for the week ending November 18th, 2022. I'm Eric Singer. Joining us later in today's show will be Dr. Rafael Salmi, global president of Richardson RFPD. First, some industry announcements. TSMC announced this week the construction of a second fab at its Arizona site, which is expected to produce three nanometer chips, one analyst predicts. TSMC has led a wave of new fab investments in the U.S. in a bid to rebuild the domestic semiconductor industry centered around the CHIPS Act. TSMC's first Arizona fab, Fab 21, starts production in 2024 and will produce five nanometer chips, the most advanced in the U.S. This week in merger and collaboration news, Wings and Flow Live collaborate to produce solutions for fleet management. Wings, an Azerbaijan e-scooter company, faced a relatively new fleet management issue in 2021. The company was lacking basic information and tools to control and monitor the SIMs in its scooters. Enter FlowLive, a provider of IoT connectivity solutions and products, which offered Wings the opportunity to combine global cellular connectivity with local points of presence around the world via mobile private networks and an eSIM to ensure continuous connectivity for fleet management. In global news, a fifth grader creates the patient helper to assist hospitals in Zimbabwe. When fifth grader Salome Tayangwa wanted to help relieve crisis levels of congestion at hospitals in Zimbabwe, she used Python to create a common diseases database titled the Patient Helper. This earned her the first Broadcom Coding with Commitment Award signaling to companies like Broadcom that Africa's 1.4 billion population could represent an untapped market of potential programmers, analysts, and chip designers to help fill the global skills gap. And in our last highlighted article, SSDs get smarter. A decade ago, a flash-based SSD was pricey and precious reserved for hot data that needed fast access, all the while keeping track of how many writes the storage media could handle before it wore out. Today, however, the endurance of NAND flash, now 3D, is rarely a concern, and the now very mature NVMe protocol has unlocked the full capabilities of SSDs. Find all these stories and more on eetimes.com. If you are on this episode's webpage, there are direct links to these articles. Subscribe to EE Times on air and the weekly briefing podcasts by clicking on the subscribe button at the top of today's episode page or searching weekly briefing on all the major podcast platforms. Today, we have Dr. Rafael Salmi, global president of Richardson RFPD, an Arrow Electronics company. Richardson RFPD is a specialized electronic component distributor that differentiates itself by providing deep technical expertise and localized global design support for the latest products from the world's lead suppliers of RF, wireless, IoT, and power technologies. Today, we're going to focus on one area of that expertise, that being Richardson's growing success around the evolving technologies in power conversion and energy storage applications. Raphael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Raphael, I'd like to start by asking you how you became interested in chips, computers, and technology in general. Did you develop that interest uh, going all the way back to childhood? 
Yes, Eric, absolutely. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I was 12 years old. I come across uh, a college book on physics and I was fascinated by quantum mechanics and relativity. And that led me to do a PhD in, in semiconductors and superconductivity. Um, that's where it all started. That's pretty heady stuff for a 12-year-old to get into. So tell me a, a little more about what you studied and specifically what your PhD was about. Yeah, I basically I was young when I started college. I think I was 16 years old. Mm. I wanted to be a, a theoretical physicist. And uh, so I was in really uh, field theory and very complex mathematics. But then I realized that I'm more attracted to practical versus then theoretical aspect of physics. Mm. And uh, at that time, uh, superconductivity was uh, a very important topic, a new topic in high temperature superconductivity. And it's also, you know, superconductivity is uh, solid state physics and related to semiconductor. And that's how naturally I, uh, you know, moved into uh, the semiconductor industry and applied into telecommunication and automotive and other markets. Yeah, boy, what an exciting time to get involved in in that field as as quickly as things are moving today in in superconductivity. In in those days, it was it was really revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I know your curiosity and your intellectual interests go beyond technology. Um, you're also a student of cultures and languages. How many languages do you speak? Yeah, I'm uh, currently fluent in six languages. I tried to pick up a little bit more uh, languages, but obviously the limitation of time <laughs> doesn't allow me to to do that. But I, I, you know, I enjoyed that. I had also had the opportunity to live in five countries in three different con uh, continents. I visited 100 countries and now I have a global team in 35 countries. And that allowed me to uh, use those language skills. Uh, and also, it's not just about languages, really understanding uh, teams, uh, customers, suppliers, and how they think and how they approach culturally different topics in th different ways. So it's really fascinating. Um, globalization is not going away. So that's why uh, those skills are really handy when it comes to, um, you know, engaging with uh, different partners around the globe. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the key differentiators for Richardson RFPD, that not, not just having the global footprint of having offices in many countries, but also understanding those cultures and the differences within those countries that, that make doing work there, um, a, a very different proposition. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that that global differentiator that, that makes Richardson so unique. Yeah, Richardson was founded in 1947 in um, a suburb of Chicago, and we've been part of Arrow Electronics since 2011. Uh, we are present in almost all the continents. We have offices in 35 countries, and we currently trade in um, almost 20 different currencies. Mm. And obviously we focus on three major technologies. Uh, one is the RF and microwave and wireless technology, the connectivity um, technology, mostly in, uh, known as uh, Internet of Things, and the energy and power space. Obviously each market, each continent have different technical requirements and our global presence with global engineering uh, we are able to understand 
translate the needs of those customers and help them design products that, and solutions. Yeah, that's such a key point. You know, it's one thing to be able to comply with regulatory differences, say, in different countries or, or different technical requirements, but a, a very different thing and, and a, a really important thing to be able to understand those cultures and the, the real differences in, in doing business in those countries. Um, I'd like to, to talk a, a little bit about what else makes um, Richardson unique um, with with regards to the specific markets that that you all serve. You, you mentioned the three main areas uh, of focus, RF microwave, wireless connectivity slash IoT, and energy and power. What power markets does RFPD serve? Yeah, we've been in, in, in the energy and power market for several decades so far. And our objective is really to support uh, customers focusing on power conversion and energy storage application, like transportation, renewable energy, industrial heavy machinery. And we've been doing that around the globe. So I would say about uh, about 10 years ago, we, we saw an increasing demand for more efficient power solution and higher high power densities, as well as small uh, footprints. So that's why we've been focusing really early stage into wideband semiconductors. And um, by that, I mean uh, gallium natride or GAN and silicon carbide. And, and that's helped us to be in the front front of the adoption of those technology today. So what makes us really different is one, we have a, a really a very solid and best-in-class technology portfolio uh, addressing those specific markets that I mentioned, and both on the passive as well as on the active side. So we build that expertise over really two decades, and now it's very useful to help um, those customers in in those applications. So I'm I'm you know mentioned renewable energy, but also transportation is very important. Either EV. Uh, vehicles or EV infrastructure, as well as, uh, you know, in aerospace, like EVTOL application, electric uh, motor drive, uh, heavy duty machinery, and all those applications require high performance, high power, high efficiency switching power supply system. On the technology side, we, on the semiconductor, we do believe that silicon carbide and, and GAN have revolutionized the high power application because they have better thermal conductivity, higher switching speed, lower conduction losses, and greater, greater power density. So we started engaging uh, on the silicon carbide journey with uh, Cree, and now it's called WorldSpeed. And since then, a lot of development happened. I mean, up to recently, uh, the WorldSpeed launched uh, the world's largest and only 200 millimeter silicon carbide manufacturing facility to, you know, support the market growth into those applications. On the other side, we are very much engaged in, um, you know, with supplier and uh, super capacitors because this technology offers a compelling choice for designers of energy storage system for several reasons. And that's include, you know, high storage ability, power delivery, short charging times and and long uh, life span. So the combination of semiconductor and passive puts us in a unique position to help customers in their designs. No question about it. And, you know, as, as you talk about uh, silicon carbide manufacturing and, and the partnership with WolfSpeed, WolfSpeed certainly very much in the news these days here in the U.S. with their uh, new project coming up in North Carolina. 
Um, I'd, I'd like to hear more about the other market trends where you're focusing your efforts uh, around these technologies, if you'd walk us through some of that. Yeah, Eric, like I explained, I mean, power electronics are now requiring enhanced power efficiency. Um, you need a, a more a most compact design. You need to have an optimized cost system and also minimize the, the field maintenance of those highly reliable uh, equipment. Mm-hmm. So the best example I can give you is really the transportation and, uh, you know, with the fast adoption of electrical vehicles. Uh, you hear now a lot more about new application like commercial vehicle adopting, uh, you know, are electrified, the bikes are electrified. At the same time, you need infrastructure to be able to charge all those electrified equipment. So we've seen really um, technical challenges, but at the same time, faster adoption of th- uh, this uh, technologies and silicon carbides address those. The other example that I like to mention is EV charging. Mm. Obviously, Obviously, you know, when you move from a combustion engine into an electrical vehicle, you don't want to spend more than 10 minutes refueling your tank. And that's what the the challenge, but also an opportunity on those EV charging. If you take a level three charging, we work with customers who are, you know, going up to 350 kilowatts, even higher uh, to, you know, enable fast charging. I mean, we have cases where we work on, um, you know, 600 kilowatt three-phase inverted designs to be able to uh, address those needs. Wow. That's a lot of people are going to be very excited about uh, those charging times when that hits the market. Absolutely. And I would say the same requirement or similar requirement are in industrial equ- equipment mm. or heavy-duty equipment where it needs to be electrified. Um, the other very interesting, uh, you know, our DNA has been from the beginning into the RF and wireless space mm. and microwave space. So now we are very much involved in 5G deployment and, and 5G is just at the beginning. And we've seen like uh, working on project where massive MIMO 5G multi-channel uh, equipment that requires uh, also very high power efficiencies. And, and that's an application that uh, is going to adapt to new technologies. As we talk about 5G, are you focused on the transmission side exclusively or are you on the consumer device side as well? Yeah, we're really focusing on the network side because 5G, as you you can, as you know, today is still sub six gigahertz. And the higher you go in frequency and more, um, you, you more deployment of, you know, decentralized um uh, infrastructure is mostly around small cells. You will need uh, a lot of channels uh, to be able to address those those applications. So in some cases, we have, you know, 64 independent RF signal chains that go up to 60 watts. So wow. these power supplies for 5G infra- infrastructure, they seek size, weight, and, and power benefit that are, uh, can be addressed with GAN and silicon carbide uh, technology. The speed at which electrical vehicles and 5G, just two examples of of incredibly rapidly deployed, really disruptive technologies here. How does Richardson RFPD stay current when all this is evolving and being deployed so quickly? Yeah, first, um, obviously, we have partnership with really... um, top-notch uh, semiconductor uh, manufacturers that have been in the industry for a long 
period of time, but also we work with uh, startups in the semiconductor space that have disruptive technologies that address exactly specific needs of that um, fast-growing uh, adoption of those technologies. Mm. And the same thing, storage is very important in app, power applications. So we work with battery manufacturer, supercapacitor, and passive manufacturers, and we try to understand what are the trends, the technology trends, and who are the partners that we could team up with to address those needs. At the same time, this rapid transformation and adoption of technology requires a lot of investment in terms of engineering. I mean, either investing them through training them through the new technology trend, but also attracting best in class engineer. Uh, the, the, our ultimate objective is to help customers address those uh, challenges. I want to ask specifically about um, something in the in the consumer market and uh, high fidelity audio. That's obviously something on the the podcast side that's near and dear to to our heart. Can you talk a little bit about what opportunities GAN is presenting in the the audio space? Yeah, I, I mean, we will see more and more in the audio as well as in the video space a need for efficient power supply. And I think today those low voltage applications are addressed perfectly with the GAN uh, transistor uh, adoption. So we've seen that. Uh, you know, the need of high efficiency, smaller form factor addressed by GAN. Obviously, again, you will see it in consumer electronic, like charging, fast charging of phones or, or laptop, but also in high fidelity audio. And I think there will be more and more applications um, addressing those uh, wideband gap um, semiconductors. Well, that's exciting news too, especially as I think about our, our control room here in the recording studio is heated by the electronics in the room. There's no climate control to heat that room. It's only air conditioned because of the incredible amount of, of heat generated by this older technology that, that we have in the audio space. So big things coming, thanks to GAN. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about some of the customer challenges that you are faced with uh, helping to solve, um, especially these days when time to market is so critical. Yeah, our global customers are challenged in different ways, but mostly what they are facing is the fast pace of uh, complexity of technology and also changing in the technology. That's impacting design cycles, the limitation of expertise in-house uh, of their engineers, and also the supply chain disruption that we've been facing since the pandemic. So time to market is a big challenge. So that's what we try to address and see how we can help customers, uh, you know, shorten their time to market. And also the design complexity, and we've seen it in RF as well as in Empower, you know, designs are becoming more and more complex. It happens, unfortunately, where a big uh, rate of projects don't you know, materialize because of that complexity, mm. so they fail. And we try to, uh, you know, help customers addressing the, those needs. The other challenge is really the timing. I mean, uh, when you have design cycles that are over two years, you want to make sure when you are an OEM that you design a product and when it comes to market after two or three years, that is still relevant and you don't have <laughs> somebody else, dis, you know, disturbing or, or dis disrupting uh, your innovation. The, and the last piece is obviously the supply chain. And it starts really from prototyping, having access to uh, samples and 
small volumes, as well as helping customers address mass production uh, with, you know, the extended lead time. It's a big challenge today. I mean, these are huge challenges. When we think about that, that uh, design cycle being 24, 30 months long, as you say, how do you know if those parts will be available? And how do you know if the product is even relevant in the market two or even three years later? So what is the the solution? How What's the methodology that you take to, to try to respond to these demands? So, so basically, it's a constant dialogue and, and uh, you know, um, following our customers and their design cycles and have regular communication on uh, during that process. Sure. The good news is that because we are engaged with uh, best-in-class uh, suppliers, we also talk, obviously, under NDA on the, the next pipeline of products and mm-hmm. their roadmap, et cetera. So we have, although we address needs of, of customers today, we look at, you know, m- you know, five, 10 years, what are the, what we believe that the market would, would require. So we are constantly in dialogue, both with our uh, supply partners uh, as well as our customers. Mm-hmm. So we we touched on briefly supply chain issues being exacerbated by the pandemic over the past couple of years. Let's talk a little more about what impact the pandemic had on your business and how you foresee the industry continuing to evolve over the next couple of years based on some of those lessons. Yeah, I mean, the, the pandemic put two challenges uh, uh, for us and for everybody in the technology space. One is making sure that we still engage with our customers and suppliers to know their needs and address those needs. So obviously working from, you know, uh, in in factories and buildings, et cetera, and then moving remote, that has been uh, a challenge to address. So we had to adapt very quickly to be able to continue to offer face-to-face interaction engagement with customer when it's possible. But there is other geographies that people are still in lockdown. So we address the needs of those customers through, uh, you know, different uh, web-based tools and um, you know, tools like Teams or, or Zoom, et cetera, to be able to continue to engage with those customers. On And I don't think uh, this will go away. We really believe moving forward, we're going to have an omni-channel uh, approach to engaging with customers through, you know, a face-to-face interaction, but also into an online interaction. On the flip side, supply chain, obviously, disruption uh, hit every market, every technology around the globe. And, you know, that had the consequences where in the past you you know everybody was used to go online order the product and and have it available the next day this is not happening right now and we don't know exactly when this will change you know extended lead time you know inventory deplotion and also obsolescence that happening on some of the technologies um, and that's what we are you know we've been we have best in class global supply chain and their arrow electronics um, umbrella we can address those needs of those customers and that goes from like i explained earlier from the prototyping the, the really the initial of the projects that the customers design up to mass production. And and that's, um, it's challenging, but also a great opportunity for a company like Richardson FPD to address the needs of customers. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in and especially thank Dr. Rafael Salmi and Richardson RFPD. Thanks so much for being here, Rafael. Thank you very much. It was really a great pleasure having this interesting conversation with you, Eric. 
That brings another episode of the Weekly Briefing to its end. Thank you for listening, and thanks to our guest, Dr. Rafael Salmi from Richardson RFPD. Join us for our second annual AI Everywhere Forum from December 13th to 15th. The forum will focus on important verticals, examining how specific innovations in AI and ML are benefiting those verticals, while providing a clear-eyed look at ongoing challenges where further innovation is necessary. Register now on today's homepage. The weekly briefing is available through the major podcast platforms, but if you find us on our website at eetimes.com, you'll find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we've mentioned, along with other resources. The weekly briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Lady Maya Kane. I'm Eric Singer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>